0: Welcome to Code Whack, your podcast on America's broken healthcare system and how Medicare for All could help. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. How are the working class and poor especially vulnerable to domestic abuse and sexual violence? How would Medicare for All help address this vulnerability? We spoke to Michelle Hamilton, a counselor and advocate for survivors of domestic abuse and sexual violence since 2004. Michelle's also a board member of Healthcare for All Pennsylvania. The views expressed are her own and do not represent her employer. Welcome to Code Whack, Michelle. Is there a connection between economic insecurity, such as food and housing insecurity, race, and the experience of physical or sexual abuse? And if so, what is that connection? I'm always
1: careful in answering that question because I want to start off by saying that there's domestic violence happening in sadly all economic households and all race households and everything in between the difference. And I think there is a writer named Lindy Bancroft who actually works with perpetrators and his work is very good. He says it better. So I'm just going to like paraphrase him. Um, When the survivor is poor, the poverty traps them. And when the survivor has more money, which is usually connected to the perpetrator or abuser, then the abuser's money traps that. Um, but what the difference is, and the biggest difference, is that survivors who have less income are more dependent on public services, which is why for lower income survivors, we need healthcare for all even more because they are more dependent on public services. So if you don't have family and friends who own a house where you can just go and stay in their house for as long as you need to stay in their house, then if you have friends and family who are in apartments and you can only be at their apartment for two weeks because that's what's on the lease, then you are going to be more likely to have to use a shelter. And so we know more about Um, working class and poor survivors of abuse because they have to use the public services that we have. But I don't want to give the impression that in and of itself being poor makes you more likely to, you know, it makes you more vulnerable and abusers look for vulnerability. Like sadly, I talked to a sexual assault survivor where they needed a place to stay because they were homeless and this person allowed them to stay in their apartment but then demanded sexual favors So I would say that people who are working class and poor have more economic vulnerability and predators look for vulnerability, but I don't want to give the impression that poor people are more likely to be abusive because that is a stereotype that has been used against working class people, and particularly people of color who are working class. Similarly, because there's a huge economic divide between people of color sometimes and white people, we are more likely, like I said, to have to use things. We also, sadly, are over-policed, which means that we are more likely to have law enforcement involvement whether we want it or not. So I think that those are reasons for some of the numbers and stuff. So I would never say the numbers are definitely what they are, but I would always say that you wanna look at the various reasons why they are. And I would always emphasize the vulnerability of survivors and how perpetrators look for vulnerability and the fact that there's less privacy for um, lower income people in terms of needing to use public services. And that's why I feel we need a better safety net overall and definitely healthcare for all, so that there isn't that much vulnerability and need for healthcare help with um, like a spouse, a partner, a relative, someone who might come off as someone who's gonna support you, but really
0: not. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Michelle, is there, um, you mentioned a couple interesting stories. Is there a really, a story that really touches you, that's impacted you, of uh, a woman that you could share share with us that kind of illustrates some of these um, very significant challenges that they face when it comes to healthcare and accessing healthcare.
1: Okay. Well, without giving too much away, and I do want to say um, that we work with survivors of all genders. So there have been times where someone has been a survivor of sexual assault and um, in Pennsylvania, we have something called a SART process or a SANE process um, where you go to the hospital and can get tested. But that doesn't mean that all the follow-up is free if certain medications are needed. Um, So that is sometimes a huge barrier for people. Um, I remember once working with someone who um, who was formerly incarcerated And um, they said that because of a fine that they didn't pay, they didn't have access to healthcare. Um, And at first I thought, what? But when you look it up, you can be sanctioned for several things. And in multiple States, one of the ways you, one of the things you can be sanctioned for is not paying fines and stuff. Um, so I feel like I want to bring that up because I feel like it's an issue that does affect survivors. We, Like I said before, we do have survivors who are also um, formally incarcerated um, and incarcerated right now. And, um, you know, it is something that I didn't even really think about. I just thought everybody who income-wise could get assistance would just naturally get assistance. And then if you have certain illnesses, for example, if you are HIV positive, if you have certain mental health disorders that need more care and specialized medicines, then not having access to healthcare or to the full range of healthcare options um, is sort of, is even more dangerous. And that can affect some of the decisions that you make with your relationship and stuff. I know sometimes people ask why certain survivors go back or they ask why they get involved in certain relationships. And it's not that people want to be in controlling or abusive relationships, but sometimes you also don't want to be homeless and you also don't want to be without healthcare. And sometimes there are abusers who are care, care givers and stuff. And so it can be both. And so that's a particular situation that can be very complicated. One of the things I sometimes talk to survivors about who are, are married is who is your um, basically your medical advanced directive person? Because the basic assumption is usually that it's the spouse. And if you are leaving the relationship, do you part of a safety plan is? who has access and who can speak for you medically if something happens to you.
0: Right, and so how would a Medicare for All system impact this dynamic, do you think? I think the
1: philosophical
0: part of it
1: is that healthcare for all really brings in this concept that everyone deserves care. And um, it gives everyone, or the possibility of everyone or having access. And I think psychologically, in terms of how we are thinking as a country, That's very important because right now health care is seen as a commodity that you get if you can afford it or if your job can afford it. And we have people, for example, who are doing gig work and that includes survivors as well. Maybe they're on somebody else's health insurance. Maybe they have Medicaid, but maybe they have nothing. You know, if you're doing Uber and also doing Instacart and also doing Grubhub, none of those places provide any health care. And many of our survivors are doing those types of jobs and many people in this country are doing those types of jobs. Okay. It's not something you get based on, you know, financially what you can afford, that everyone deserves it. And I just think that that change in thinking, while it wouldn't directly affect domestic violence victims, would... Affect the way we look at people overall and not putting people into silos. But tactically, in terms of policy, I think it would give us as service providers more options so that we can be helping people with where the healthcare is a goal from the beginning. Shorter waits to see mental health, shorter waits to see healthcare people overall, less dependence on the abuser's money if they need to. And more independence in their choices.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Find more Code WAC episodes on progressivevoices.com and on the PV app. You can also subscribe to Code WAC wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast is powered by Heal California, uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Gazar.